Welcome to TJ Frog's podcast, where I chat about my knitting, dorset buttons and creativity in general, as well as sharing my love of Scotland, especially the Highlands and Islands. Hello, I'm Tanya, aka TJ Frog, or sometimes called the Button Lady. And in my creative business, I predominantly make and promote the traditional craft of dorset buttons, which dates back to the early 1600s, a cottage industry that employed many people in Dorset on the south coast of England. Brought up in Dorset, I now live on the Isle of Skye, and wherever you may be in the world, welcome and thank you for joining me for my 40th episode, Lots of Firsts. Well, it's been a couple of months since the last episode, and it's a time of year where it feels like many changes occur in our little corner of Skye as the days continue to get longer. So it got me thinking about what's actually happened in April and May for the first time, And then subsequently, I started to think about what have I done in my making for the first time. So let's dive into some of those firsts. For this episode then, the weather, sunshine and flora and fauna firsts, creativity, an update on my project progress from last episode, learning new skills, the Shetland Wool Week hat and a new yarn festival. Dorset buttons and wider news from the TJ Frog Pad. We catch up on virtual Dorset Button workshops, Wonderwall Wales and Instagram Lives. Sky Focus. Tourism. What do you do when a beauty spot is closed? The Weather. John Coe and Aquarius, the two male orcas who frequent the Western Isles waters, visited the Sound of Slate in the middle of April. Unfortunately, I can't claim my first sighting of orcas. That still eludes me. A friend sent me a message to alert me, but I was recording for the reading newspaper volunteer job I do at the time when they were in the Sound. So by the time I actually picked up her message, I'd missed them. So I had to console myself with looking at photos of them the following morning on Facebook. My dream of seeing orcas then still remains. One day, my luck will change. Sunshine and still days. We finally had some sunshine. In April, we had what felt like a mini heat wave, although officially it wouldn't be called that, as I learnt recently from the Met Office website, how they define a heat wave. Apparently, it has to be at least three consecutive days of weather in line with the temperature threshold. And there are different threshold values set across various regions of the UK. Therefore, our 15 degrees Celsius of sunshine that we had in Sky in April felt pretty good to us, although far off the 25 degrees Celsius needed to call it a heat wave in our little corner. Unfortunately, I only benefited from two days of this and missed the rest of it as we had to leave the good weather behind to head to Wales for Wonderwall and we arrived in a very wet and a very cold Wales. Now in May, once again, the sun has returned for a sustained period and I've missed it again (laughs) as I've been away in Dorset with family. There seems to be a bit of a theme recurring here of me missing the good weather on sky, although I do hope that these warm, still, sunny days on sky are a good omen for June, July and August, and that I will be there at some point to enjoy them. During April and May, there have been many visible and audible changes occurring across the flora and fauna in our garden and surrounding land. 
It's funny how each year the density and the colour of the different flora changes. The first primroses appeared with their gorgeous lemony petals and it seemed there were many more primrose clusters this year brightening up the edge of the roadside in our community. And the first bluebells appeared with their beautiful hooded bluey purpley flowers and I love seeing how the fields gradually get bluer and bluer as more and more bluebells come into bloom and we have small pockets of our garden that also take on this wonderful blue hue. The gorse came out during this time in full bloom and had a particularly strong and distinctive smell this year and that got me thinking have any of you ever tried making gorse cordial? It's not something I've done but I did delve into some recipes on the internet I've heard mixed reviews about it, so I don't think it's something I'll be rushing out to do. I think I'll just enjoy the vibrancy of the gorse flowers from afar. The first wild garlic popped up, and this is one of my favourite outdoor smells. There's a stretch of it along the main road here on the south of Skye where I live, and it just hugs the whole of the edge of the roadside. And it's lovely driving along there, especially if you can have your window down and have the smell wafting into the car. Finally, on the flora front, the first tulip popped up in our garden. Now, you might be thinking, yes, so? (laughs) However, they always say that you should live with a garden in a new house for a year before you do anything to see what comes up each season. Well, we've had the house 12 years this year, and I thought we'd well and truly seen everything. No, this year we had for the first time two tulips pop up in our garden in different beds, but on the same side of the house. And I've never, ever planted any tulips in our garden and nor have I ever seen any in all of the years that we've had the house. This got me thinking then, how did those tulips actually arrive there? And I haven't explored this fully, but a very brief look on the internet tells me that birds actually eat tulip seeds and then disperse them. So there was me thinking that You know, tulips just came from bulbs, but actually, no, I've learned something new there. So that's been been quite interesting. I was coming out each morning, though, and taking a picture of the the bigger of the two tulips because the colour was just beautiful, a deep peachy colour. And then one morning I came out to take my photograph. There was no tulip there. The flower had gone. So I went over and inspected the stalk and realised that something had eaten it. So off I went again onto the internet. What could have eaten my tulip? Deer. We get a lot of deer in our garden. So that was the end. And then the other one, which was a much smaller one further along in the other bed, that was gone too. (laughs) So uh, yeah, interesting uh, little time there with the first tulips I've had in my garden. The first lambs have been born, the Scottish blackface and the Cheviots in our little corner. I wasn't fortunate enough to see any born, but I did see one just after it had been born. And I love watching them trying to get up onto their feet. And, you know, once they're a few days old, watching them skip and play one another is just joyful. It always brings a smile to my face. And I love waking up and hearing them in the morning as well. The first calves have also arrived in our little corner. And we have a calf and a little lamb that are in the same field. And they seem to be great pals. One morning I drove past them, sat together and it would have made an amazing photo. But unfortunately, 
I was on quite a tight schedule to get to an appointment and I just couldn't justify being late. So I couldn't get the shot. And instead, I'm just going to have to hold that as a memory. I haven't yet spoken to the crofter to find out the story behind these two residing together. I hope to at some point. The first swallows have appeared with their signature swooping over the land, which is mesmerising to watch. And hearing the first cuckoo of the year, a sign that the spring season has begun, is always a bit uplifting. You'll often meet people in the street saying, oh, I heard the cuckoo today. And while the sound of a cuckoo travels far, this year it feels as if the cuckoo is nesting very, very close to us, as the sound is incredibly loud. I think I saw the cuckoo on one of our garden posts. Unfortunately, I didn't have my glasses on and by the time I got the binoculars out, it had gone. But the overall size and colouring would suggest it was a cuckoo. So far, we've had swallows, thrushes, blackbirds and wagtails all nesting on our land. And the strimmer can't be used for a while because there's a lovely nest in the protective shield that sits around the blade. I remember many years ago staying on a small holding in Wales for a few days and waking up to the sound of the sheep and the pigs and realising what a lovely sound it was and how much I enjoyed it over hearing traffic, which is what we were used to. I feel very fortunate to have found this little corner of the world where I can wake up to these sounds of nature. The latest spider report. Mm. (laughs) I was sorting out my stock boxes and furniture from Wales and there it was on the hall floor the first really big spider we've seen in this house. Did it come back from Wales with us or sneak in whilst we were away? I will never know. And then the first time a spider has interrupted me on a Zoom call. (laughs) I was on a call with some knitting friends and I cast my eye down to look at my knitting when there was the ever too familiar quick darting movement down by my left foot. The conversation was in flow and I was kind of thinking, do I interrupt? I thought no. So I quickly muted myself, turned the camera off, told the spider to stay where it was and calmly went to get my spider catcher. Fortunately, the spider listened and it was still there on my return and promptly dispatched to the outside and then I returned to the call. (laughs) And finally, my first tick bite Not long after moving up here, we bought the tick removal cards that you could get. And until now, we have never had to use them. And I cannot believe in all the years we've been hiking in the highlands and gardening, we've never had tick bites. I now know quite a lot about ticks. Firstly, they're related to the spider family. Not good. (laughs) Although I didn't feel squeamish about it. It was a black-legged tick, which I now know is a deer tick. And for such a small thing, I certainly felt its grip as I removed it using the tick card, making sure that its whole body and head were removed. I had a bit of a reaction to it, unfortunately, which could be an allergic reaction or it may have transmitted some nasty toxin to me. Or ultimately, it could be a carrier of Lyme's disease, which is prevalent in the Scottish Highlands. We wait and see. Only time will tell. Creativity. Let's see where I'm at on those projects then from last month. I have now done 39 of the 49 squares from the Debbie Abrahams Mystery Blanket 2017. So that's four more from the last podcast episode at the end of March. I've already started on the next square. So nine and a bit to finish before I allow myself to start on the 2023 Mystery Blanket. 
I'm enjoying seeing the reveal each month of this year's project and watching people build their blankets. Debbie does two options. So if you're not keen on techniques like Fair Isle or Intarsia, there are alternative stitch patterns that you can do. I actually quite like seeing how this is going before I commit to which one I'm actually going to do. The new patterns arrive on the first of each month and the first patterns for the mystery cushion, which I've also signed up for this year, arrive on the 15th of June. So I think I might be tempted to dip into the cushion before I start on the 23 blanket. I still haven't sewn up the project bags I made at the Debbie Abrahams and Jane Crawford workshop. Sewing up and finishing off seems to be as much of a block as blocking for me. I think I need to start a finishing Friday or sewing Saturday for myself to focus on getting a few more projects finished. <laughs> I'll let you know how I get on. <laughs> My love note, though, is one project that is finished, hooray. <laughs> Although the reason it's finished is there's very, very little finishing off to do with this one. You just have to thread a couple of ends in and block it. Yeah, yeah, I did actually block it. Although I made a stupid mistake. I've got no idea why I did this. But when I took it out of its little wool bath, I rolled it really hard in the towel rather than just pressing it down. So in effect, I kind of wrung it so it's got bigger than it's meant to be. It's OK. Uh, at some point, I'm probably going to undo the neckline and just tighten that up a bit, which will just lift it up slightly. I'm very happy with it, though, and I can't quite believe I now have two lovely Love Note uh, sweaters to wear. First time I've knitted the same garment twice, and I already have the yarn lined up to knit a third one. I find it such an easy jumper to knit, and the Tin Can Knits pattern is really well written. And their tutorials and their tip notes on their websites really helpful. So if you've never done a Tin Can Knits uh, pattern at all, then I'd highly recommend you take a look at their website and see what they've got. I now then have a Love Note sweater in a goldy green, a bluey grey, and the third one's going to be a sort of purple pink. My new learning challenges then for this month. Firstly, I dug out a craft kit I bought at Wonderwall Wales 2022. It's a Kumihimo kit, and I hope I've pronounced that correctly. It's an introduction to a type of Japanese braiding where you use a disc and threads. And the kit I bought was to make a small bracelet, but I will probably use the braid as a pull cord for something. It's a repetitive movement of crossing threads over the disc where you have slots all around the edge and it makes a braid. And I enjoyed doing it, but I'm not sure at the moment that I can think what I might use the braiding for. Although I'm sure something will come to mind and I will dip into it again at some point. It's a great little portable project though, so good for popping in your bag if you're going away somewhere. Secondly, I learned how to make ribbon flowers for a workshop at the mental health textile charity I work at. It was great fun using lots of different widths of ribbon and a variety of techniques which involved glue, double-sided tape, stitches and knots. It's great to have a play with these ribbons. I enjoyed dipping into these two new-to-me crafts. The Shetland Wool Week patron and hat pattern was released in May. Alison Randall is the 2023 patron and her hat design the Shetland name for Sea Companion, which is called, now I'm not actually quite sure how to say this, is it Buggy Fleur? Buggy Fleur? Oh, I'm sure I'm annihilating the pronunciation of that. And it's a gorgeous design. 
And I love that apart from the usual version of using five colours, Alison's also shown an option for using just two colours with the possible option of putting a third colour through the centre of the flower. I'm dipping into my stash so I've actually decided to do this reduced colour version and I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm about to head off on a knitting retreat in France and I'm very much looking forward to the break and spending lots of time knitting. The Shetland Wool Week hat was one of the projects I was going to start out there but I couldn't wait. It's already on my needles. (laughs) The other projects I have with me are the blue fade yarn pack I bought from Henny Penny Makes at the Yorkshire Yarn Festival and I've married it up with a blue mohair And my intention, unless anybody persuades me otherwise, is to make a lace and fade boxy by Yohi. And this will certainly be my first fade and my first boxy project. I've got yarn to start two more projects, which I'm keeping quiet about at the moment because they're connected to an event that I'm going to be running later in the year. Uh, Yeah, I'm certainly not going to be short of projects to do on this knitting retreats. It's good to have different types of projects, though, different difficulties, depending on the time of the day or if you're sat on your own or if you're chatting. I'll let you know how I got on with them all next month. If you're in the Outer Hebrides during the month of June, then you may be interested to know they're running their first Outer Hebrides Wool Festival. It is being launched as a pilot with a range of wool-related activities across the US and Barra, which includes workshops, talks, demonstrations, craft cafes and spinning, amongst many other uh, activities and events. Unfortunately, I'm unable to attend. If I had been free, I think we would have tried to have got over there in the camper van. I absolutely love the Outer Hebrides and uh, the Uists are stunning. I've not been to Barra uh, one day. I wish all the organisers every success with this and I hope this will be the first of many Outer Hebrides wool festivals. Dorset buttons and wider news from the TJ Frog Pad. Website and emails are ongoing issues as we move over to new servers. I'm also currently away from home, which has not helped with fluctuating internet connectivity issues. We will get there. It's just slow progress. Away from all the techie stuff then, which can be incredibly times consuming and incredibly frustrating, I ran my first virtual Dorset Button workshops of 2023 in April and May. They were fantastic and a very welcome break from all the behind the scenes techie stuff. I cannot thank everyone enough who attended. They all contributed to a very convivial learning and making atmosphere and it was great to see everyone complete their Dorset Button tree brooch. The workshop will be repeated in July and I have a programme of workshops planned for later in the year. If there's a particular type of Dorset Button workshop you would like to see, then please send your suggestions in to me. What I'm going to be doing in the future is running a loyalty scheme. So if you've attended one virtual workshop with me, there will then be a loyalty scheme for any future virtual workshops that you book with me and more details on that will be coming out soon. I mentioned in the weather section then going to Wales for Wonderwall. That was at the end of April and it was my first time exhibiting at that show. Apart from the the wet and the cold weather, we had a great time. Being able to camp at the showground makes a big difference. Takes out all that additional travelling time at the beginning and the end of the day. And also when you've set up as well, all those hours it takes to do. It's nice just to walk up to your van. The camping area was very soggy though and I think we were fortunate to get a little bit of hard standing. 
Although I think a few people got caught out by them. And I had some great feedback on the back wall of my stand where I had my TJ Frog wallpaper. Quite a few people said how much it had drawn them into the stand, which was lovely to hear. My TJ Frog staff, aka Hubby, did don his Welsh plaid kilt with his boots and a heavy woolen top as it was really cold inside. I had a woolen dress and a knitted cardigan. Although later on on both days I conceded to the cold and had to put my fleece on and on the second day I even had to put my coat on. (laughs) Fortunately though, my furry lined boots certainly kept the cold coming up through my feet from the concrete floor. One of the highlights at these shows is definitely the people I meet. So I've got a few hellos to say. Firstly, I want to say hello to Eve and Wendy. Eve was the first visitor to my stand on day one and we had met a couple of times before at Shetland Wool Week. Eve had been on my Dorset button class there last year and came to show me some beautiful matching Dorset buttons she had made for a cardigan that she had knitted. And there's some photos in the show notes, so do go and have a look at those. And Wendy came to my stand wearing this beautiful dorset button brooch on her shoulder, which her sister-in-law had made and gifted to her after attending one of my dorset button workshops at Loch Ness Knitting Festival a few years ago. And Wendy even came very well prepared with some Scottish money to purchase something, (laughs) which was brilliant. (laughs) It is always great when this happens, especially knowing that people have gone away and continued with dorset button making after attending workshops with me. Hello to Heather of Rowan Tree Travel, who was on tour with a group. It was wonderful to see Heather again, and I very much enjoyed meeting all the people on her tour who stopped by my stand. Thank you to all of you who came. Hello to Caroline, who is a podcast listener and came to chat to me. It's always great to know that there are real people out there who listen in, and I'm not just posting into a complete void. Thank you for stopping by, Caroline, and following on from our discussion. I still don't think I'm ever going to fully get over my block with blocking. I'd always rather be knitting. I said I'd also give a shout out to Mandy and Charlotte as they are fellow frog lovers and they used to keep tree frogs. Wow. Charlotte was wearing these amazing colourful frog earrings which caught my eye and sparked the conversation about frogs. And finally, hello to Dawn who had been told about me and came to say hello, which was lovely. Not only did Dawn and I have knitting and other yarn and textile business in common, we had both served full careers in the Royal Navy. There were many, many other lovely people I met at the show. So hello to all of you and thank you so much to everybody that came by. I did also meet, and this was a very special meet, a lady who was a direct descendant from one of the Dorset Button people involved in the business back in the time of the Dorset Button cottage industry. That's it. You just never know what's going to happen at shows and who you might meet. And I'm looking forward to spending more time chatting to her in the future. What else is happening then here? Well, I know I have said this many, many a time before, but that book, (laughs) it is ever closer to being put out there into the big wide world, which is very exciting. And that's all I'm going to say at the moment. Listen in to future episodes for more. Instagram then. I've decided to dip my toes into doing a series of Instagram lives, which will start in June. The plan is that they will happen on the first Sunday of the month, wherever I may be. 
And it's just going to be a mixy blob of saying hello, what I'm up to creatively, maybe something about the buttons, asking for some feedback. Hopefully some of you might even be live with me and chat to me. And of course, I might need to add in a little bit of a weather update. (laughs) On to the Sky Focus then, the local lowdown. Tourism, we're at that time of year again where tourism on Sky has really taken off. I wanted to talk in particular though about holidays that are on our wish lists or bucket lists uh, or that place that you want to travel and see or that top beauty spot that you want to go to. What actually happens if you save up, you plan your holiday and you get there and you find that that place you wanted to go and visit is closed. What do you do? I remember the first time we went to Paris, we arrived to find that all the public service workers had gone on strike, (laughs) which meant that all the museums were closed, as was the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, there was there was initial disappointment. You know, I wanted to go up the Eiffel Tower. I wanted to go to some of the museums. But were we disappointed with our visit? No, of course we weren't. Instead, we spent many hours walking the streets of Paris, seeing sights along the river and back streets we probably would not have done if we'd have spent hours and hours in museums. We sat and rested in more than one or two Parisian cafes, watching the world go by and experience the most delicious and I have to say decadent hot chocolate made out of melted hot chocolate. We watched artists. We went around little markets. We had a great trip, totally unaffected by not being able to go to the museums or up the Eiffel Tower. The museums and Eiffel Tower would still be there for a potential visit another time. Well, one of the things we're noticing, particularly on Sky, and I'm sure it must happen in other places too, is that for some people, and I hasten to add some people, not everyone, is that even if a beauty spot is closed or a place is closed this is just a rule to be broken I get it that you save up you've traveled a long way to get to a place it might be the only time you're going to be able to get there so you want to see that place you want to see as much as you can do one of the places that is a beauty spot on people's list to see on sky is a place called Kilt Rock which is a stunning waterfall up on the Trochnice Peninsula on the northeast side of Sky. For the start of the tourist season it has been closed because they are upgrading the car park. There have been signs up that it's closed. There are barriers up that it is closed. Sadly Some people were scaling the barriers and jumping over the barriers and parking where the signs were saying that the car park was closed to get in and look. In the end, they had to issue emergency orders to stop people parking. And it just really saddens me because I'd like to think that when people want to come and visit a beauty spot, they actually really appreciate the landscape and appreciate the people who live and work there. Yeah, I just wonder if anybody else is having this where they live. It's quite insane, actually. And it's a bit of a shame because it is the minority who are spoiling it for people. Actually scaling fences to get into a beauty spot. Certainly a first that I've known on Sky. Linking back to my Paris experience, I would love to say to those people determined to get into that place on their tick list, 
despite it being closed. It's not only disrespectful to the people who live there and to the people working on the site, but potentially dangerous as it is a working site. And there are many other beautiful, stunning, awesome places to see on Sky, beyond the key places that people post pictures of on the internet. Take time to have a walk down that path that has no sign, or drive down a side road and make your own discoveries of some of the amazing wonders of nature that we have here on this beautiful island. That's it then for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. If you would like to get in touch, please drop me a line at tanya at tjfrog.co.uk. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as tjfrogsky. You will find show notes and photos of some of the things I've been talking about on my website, which is TJ Frog. The music is by Ron Paintant and is licensed from Melody Loops and called One Frog for a Prince. Bye for now. Till next time. <laughs>